0: We want to tap into that collective intelligence of people that work at the front lines, but they're not, in the end, they're not the ones that buy it, right? They're uh, ambassadors. They're not the ones that buy us. They're the ones that embrace us.
1: Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing. Happy. Each week. We interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 95. Today's episode is all about empowering frontline teams by starting a work instruction revolution. Our guest this week is Villamine Schneider, and she and her team at SwipeGuide are changing the game for post-sales support. Willemine is the CEO and founder of SwipeGuide, a next-generation instruction software that provides an intuitive way to create enhanced reality work instructions. So how is this creating a revolution then? Well, you're going to hear about that and more in this episode. First, we'll get to hear Willemine's story and how her diverse experiences led to the creation of SwipeGuide. Second, we're going to learn how SwipeGuide works and how it's democratizing the way work instructions are created and enhanced using a client example that's very relevant to this show. Finally, we'll wrap with some practical leadership tips from Villamine from growing a young global company to creating more inclusive environments in the workplace. If you want to access any of the resources that we talk about in this episode or just connect with Villa you can head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 95. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating over on Spotify for you Spotify listeners. Thank you for getting this thing a five-star rating on that platform, but we could always use more ratings. Just hit that five-star button if you're listening on that platform, would greatly appreciate it. And of course, if you're listening on iTunes as well, hey... Five-star rating and reviews help there as well. Anyway, it's time to grab a drink with Villemine Schneider. So let's dive into today's episode. Villemine, it is excellent to have you here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. And, and you and I just stated, hey, it's happy hour before we dove into this conversation. So my first question is, if we were actually having this conversation over happy hour, where would be a, a bar, or a brewery, where we'd be having that conversation? Paint the picture for us.
0: Yeah, let me paint the picture for you. Uh, so if it's happy hour, my best happy hour is with uh, with whiskey, with Scotch whiskey, uh, due to a dear friend of us, Tony, who's actually, uh, his his lifelong work is to tell the stories of how whiskeys are made and how they taste. So it would be in a perfect Harlem bar, bar called Inden Iver, where they serve all sorts of single malt Scotch whiskey and that's where we would be enjoying this conversation.
1: All right, I love that setting. We're having whiskey, we're having it in the Netherlands. So the stories are really what we're interested in on this show, and I'd love to get a little preview of your story, so say we're having those whiskeys and someone asks you, hey, what what does Swipe Guide do, right? Like, how do you answer that as if you're having whiskey with someone?
0: Well, if I was having whiskey with someone, I would definitely say so. Swipe Guide is an app that helps manufacturing companies eliminate 50 different ways of doing the same thing to help them stop reinvent the wheel in every process, every line, or every team. Um, that would be my ultra short answer. Uh, if you'd say, hey, give me a little bit more time, then I would say, hey, Swipe Guide is a is a platform, it's an app, and that app allows any frontline worker, if you're an operator, an engineer, a trainee, to capture your expertise into easy-to-use visual standards that you can publish in an app and use to execute your work.
1: And and we're going to get into Swipe Guide probably halfway through the interview, right? But I do want to get to know you a little bit more first. And, and we were just emailing about this this morning. You know, I, I saw that you had a background in marketing and e-commerce, but you've also done new product development. And I'd love to kind of hear the story that that led us to Swipe Guide. So what were you doing before Swipe Guide?
0: Yeah, I think I have a very broad uh, background. So um, I think my education has been in, you know, business development in the broadest sense. In my earlier life, I worked in retail. So in retail marketing and retail commerce positions. Um, and I think that made me very aware of Who are you you actually here to help, to serve, to solve problems for? So ultra short, I started my career in different retail positions uh, in in Europe. Uh, I worked my career through different... Uh, I would say roles in industries. I've always been looking for the next uh, challenge, but also always from a commercial, I would say side. Um, So my career took me through uh, an advertising agency, a content media agency, growth agencies, different roles. Um, And eventually I ended up at a a big growth consultancy company, Business Transformers, uh, as they call themselves. And I really enjoyed my work going into companies understanding what the problem is they wanted to solve, investigating uh, a user group, a market, finding opportunities, and then really drilling down on, okay, what is the pain in this market? What's the what's the pain in this user experience and what is the best way of solving them and then connecting products and services to serve that market. Um, I did that in the last, I would say, seven years before Swipe I built my own uh, consultancy group around this um, so we went into organizations ourselves. Um, I mainly did that because I wanted to make the, swi- the, the switch, the shift to developing new technologies and, you know, building our own company that allowed me to do so. Um, and that is also what, uh, you know, what and where and how I founded my co-founders and, and when we started SwipeGuide.
1: So you were do you were in retail? That's an interesting detail. You were doing consultancy. How did this, you know, how how did your background, in your opinion, help prepare you for starting your own company?
0: Yeah, as I said, I've taken on many different roles, and um, that really defines who I am. So def- I, you need to give me a problem, a challenge to solve, and I'll learn, con- connect, and collect everything to fix that or solve that problem. And I think there are many different ways in which my career has helped me when I started Swipe SwipeGuide, um, you know, first of all, the experience of building and leading teams through different change and business development, having been through the journey of, uh, you know, having an idea, going to market, uh, failing, but also being successful, but definitely also failing helps in understanding what to do or where to focus on uh, next, how to tackle certain challenges, how to assess risk. But if I were to summarize it into three simple things, uh, it is a profound respect for the power of and for you of users your customers it's about following the data and for me it's really about staying true to myself where i come from uh and what i do
1: so it's it's interesting that you bring up that problem solving aspect right because i feel like a lot of startups start with a problem that needs to be solved so where did you first get the idea for swipe guide
0: yeah no i'd like to rephrase that question back to you by uh let me answer the question where did we get the idea for swipe guide Because a tool that we built and we're still developing doesn't spring, just spring from someone else, someone's mind, right? It is, in, in definitely in our case, it's, any startup that gets the to market is uh the, is the result of a, yeah the inspiration the hard work and sweat and intelligence of a group of people and we have a group of founders we have a really good uh, a shared vision and we crowdsource whatever we do from the best crowd the team of swipe guide so Uh, My co-founders and I, we started SwipeGuide roughly the end of 2016, 2017, over a mutual frustration with after sale service support and instructions in general. And I want to take your mind somewhere else, right? We're sitting in this bar again. So just think about how wasteful uh, and inefficient most user manuals still are, right? Just think of any user manual, they're static, irrelevant, incomprehensible, totally obsolete, They are designed, in my language, as a cover your ass document. It's descriptive, it's complex, and they're definitely not focused on helping users solve a problem in a very simple way in the moment you need it. So Mm -hmm. if you have a dishwasher issue, right? it doesn't doesn't work. Um, It's the most Googled issue F12. You better have that crappy manual or you have to Google yourself blue in the face and then you still get an incomprehensible answer. And companies find it extremely difficult to get the right information to the right user at the right time, with the emphasis on the right information at the right time. that In a scalable way, that is, that is what brought us together as, as founders. Um, I was working in a totally different industry. I was working for consumer brands. My co-founder was working uh, on safety instructions for airplanes. Um, so we came together, we experimented a lot. And let me mention, As I said, safety instructions on airplanes, consumer user manuals, router installations, home care instructions for elderly people. We really discovered a lot of different use cases and we learned how to develop a format for instructions that empowers uh, people to accomplish a task that is new, uh, complex or regular without prerequisite training or knowledge with success by simply putting the user at the core, making it user-centered, task-focused, focusing on what they want to accomplish, really looking it outside in. And I think that kind of journey thinking is really critical to making a digital tool easy to use. And what happened is that we followed the data we got from our tests, uh, and we learned how difficult companies find it to prioritize creating quality instructions. And just think about it, it's not a sexy topic to invest in to say so. If I told my daughter I was working on creating digital user manuals, and she had to tell about this at school. She got back like nobody understands. Why would you want to make user manuals, right? So it's it's not a topic, you know, in any any uh, role in an industry or in any market that is attractive. So we wanted to unpack. Okay, what's how can we change that? How can we make sure that a content management system for instructions is attractive and easy to use? Um, and we found that. By really focusing on making it really simple and making it collaborative, we learned, hey, we discovered we can automate every single principle that makes an instruction effective. And that with effective we mean you're successful, you don't make a mistake. And by automating them into our tool, we could turn anyone into an instruction designer. And that's how it evolved into SwipeGuide by um, putting those feedback loops in by making sure content creation is collaborative, that it's self-learning. Um, and with that, we went to market, so to say.
1: Yeah, it was. it's uh, a couple things. One, I was trying to put together a new bike rack on the bike of my car yesterday. And I was looking at the instructions and I was struggling to say the least because they weren't necessarily uh, intuitive, if you will. So I felt that challenge as recently as uh, less than 24 hours ago on the weekend. You know, one one thing I found interesting is now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Swipe Guide really started more on like the at-home user manual side, right? Like coffee correct. makers and routers and things correct. like that. But now you're more focused on the industrial world. How did you decide to make that pivot? Or I should say, maybe how did you and your team decide to make that pivot? Because I loved that emphasis in in the last answer that it's not just a a one person accomplishment. It's the whole team looking at this. So um, again, how'd that pivot play out?
0: Yeah, so indeed, we started with the thesis of we are the revolution of of user manuals for consumers, right? And that will reduce customer support, it will reduce product returns, product claims. But then we found that as we went to market that in order to create a successful product, a a successful solution, you don't just need a product market fit, you need a group of companies that is willing to buy it and to buy it fast because you're always bootstrapped, definitely in your early stages of funding. Um, And we found that even though we solved a problem with impact that our potential customers weren't really willing to pay for it. It was siloed. uh, There was no investment in after sales service and it required a change in the way the organization ran. Um, And then when we launched the product, we we saw that the first customers adopting the solution, simply going online, go to the website, click, you know, get a license were factories. Um, So the, the manufacturing industry was, Uh, embracing our product more than other uh, industries. Uh, And then we started following the data. And what we we saw happening is that our tool hit all the right marks, I would say, for the manufacturing industry. It hits the, how it added value. It really tapped into how processes run uh, day to day uh, at the lines. And we started building up on this. So we went into those factories, we started talking to everyone, discovering what are the jobs that you do uh, in this specific role? How does that process follow? Where's the frustration? And together with our early adopters, as I mentioned, Heineken, but also PepsiCo and ABB, we started building up on this. Um, And over time we learned, hey, actually, um, this is our beachhead market. It's very, it's, it's a, as you know, as a young technology company, you you need to find this beachhead market in which you can sell fast and scale your solution. And from day one, adoption uh, from manufacturing uh, frontline workers was through the roof. Um, so over time, we decided to indeed double down on that industry and really focus and make the, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a pivot, um, but in essence, you, you could call it that we never uh, strayed away from our product vision, but we definitely made a radical shift in in go to market vision.
1: I was going to say, I, I think you're right. Pivot's not necessarily the perfect word for it. Uh, you know, you'd really dialed in on who your ideal customer was out of all the groups that could use help with manuals, instructions, etc. I mean, the manufacturing industry is a great spot for that. And, and you made the comment about following the data, right? You look where is the focus area for us and that's what you double down on. So, awesome story. I want to hear a bit how swipe guide works in the context of one of the customers that you just mentioned. Again, back to the happy hour theme, you work with one of the most iconic beer producers out of the Netherlands, Heineken, and you know, maybe to paint a picture of how swipe guide works for the audience. You know, let's maybe take me through the day in the life of someone at Heineken that's using swipe guide, how does it help them in, in their work?
0: Yeah, so indeed, uh, you know, Heineken has well over 175 brewery operations. Um, and in every single brewery operation, they have training, they have work instructions, they have standard, operas- standard operating procedures that were are created and managed uh, locally. And at every brewery operation, imagine they have roughly the same equipment, right? You have, uh, you, have, a, you, have a, you have a filler, you have a packaging line, um, and they have a set of suppliers that supply that equipment. And they make the same sets of products. Okay, there's deviations, but roughly the same, so to say. And at every brewery operation, they also have frontline workers that are more experienced, less experienced. So they are really battling, okay, how do we drive how do we drive our operations? How do we get them to perform better? How do we drive operational excellence? So what happens with SwipeGuide is your frontline worker you get into work, um, you're assigned at a specific changeover procedure. And instead of asking your colleague, or in some cases going over to the board, picking out the cards, getting the manuals, they, they check in uh, depending upon the, organ- uh, the, the location you're in, you get you get a tablet or you get smart glasses and they walk up to the line they snap a QR code. And that QR code immediately points them to the right instructions, right training, and right checklists they need to accomplish throughout that day. So that is one side of the coin, right? So one side of the coin is, okay, I snap that QR code and I get, I instantly pull up the right instruction. Step by step, I'm guided through the tasks that I need to do. If I miss any contextual information, I can click a button, I can get more information, I can snap a picture, I can provide feedback. Step by step, I accomplish my task. Um, you sign off a checklist and that gets routed. But look at it differently, right? Because that content has to come from somewhere. So what now that they work with swipe their operators and their engineers, they can document the operational knowledge uh, into digital standards on the go themselves. So the unique templates in our app, they allow any frontline worker to pick up a tablet and create those instructions in a simple matter of minutes. You hit the publish button, And as soon as you do that, those standards are available for anyone in your team, at your line, or in your site. But it's also available in a central library that all of those 175 sites use and share. So with a simple click, your standards from, I don't know, this is literally how it went. We had a team in Alkomaas in Belgium creating a changeover procedure that saved them, you know, uh, I think it was 22 minutes on a changeover procedure. Goes into the simple library in the central library. The same team in Singapore picks it up and starts working with it. And over time, they reduce those 22 minutes as well. They improve that same piece of content. Then it's being picked up by a location in Mexico and starts reducing change over time and improving the content. Well, just imagine what happens at scale at 175 breweries. That is a massive impact. It drives operational value in many different ways. Uh, to us, we, we always say it's like a thousand drops that together creates a wave of improvement. So it helps to reduce those changeover times. It helps to reduce variations, but it also helps to increase the skill sets of frontline workers, right? We're all under pressure. They also have to do more work with different people at the lines. So swipe guy, a frontline worker can do more complex and different uh, tasks with less prerequisite training because the way that we deliver the format. So this is different ways in, in which it adds value. I have to say Heineken has been on a quite a, a, quite a digital transformation journey. So to say, at some locations, we tap into another solution where the work gets dispatched through uh, through a system uh, and an instruction is automatically click uh, triggered from that. And at some locations, they still put up the QR codes and just get to work.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting the the way you describe this, right? I think the the thing that sticks out to me is no longer do you just have static instructions, right? You democratize it so that way everyone there can improve this. I have a couple questions that that have come from this, right? Like first being, like who makes a decision around this, right? Is this something that you know you're talking to the workers that are like, hey, we need a tool like this, or who are the people that, that like maybe gain the most from this or that have the biggest impact in implementing something like this?
0: Yeah, so I think it goes both ways. And um, it's, us as a team, we really believe that if we tap into uh, that untapped potential of people working at the front lines and the underutilized, I would say expertise that they have, that it not only benefits these frontline workers, uh, but it mm-hmm. also benefits the organization, right? You capture the knowledge, you put it to work, you achieve better results. So um, I think what you're asking me is like, how do you sell this? So, and, and I think there's a great tension, right? I, I, we always critique solutions that are designed for managers in control, right? Because mm-hmm. um, uh, we want to, yeah, as I said, we want to tap into that collective intelligence of people that work at the front lines, but they're not, if in the end, they're not the ones that buy it, Right. They're investors. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not the ones that buy us. They're the ones that embrace us. So we yes. we serve them because when we serve them, they adopt the solution, they create the content, they get the results, and that uh, helps us sell the solution. But indeed, it's it's the it's the plant manager, it's an operational excellence manager, or a CI manager that buys the solution that we have to convince. But we always go through the hearts of, I would say, just the product adoption.
1: Yeah, when you think about the results this brings, what sticks out to you the most? Is it the tangible things like more productivity, you know, more efficient changeovers, things like that? Or is it maybe some of the more intangibles, right? Like worker satisfaction, team member satisfaction, and overall maybe retention of talent, things along those lines. What, what do you see as some of the results of this?
0: Um, Both. So on the one hand, we definitely sell the story of improved performance. Uh, There there are hard facts. There's a hard ROI on the, I would say, on the solution, Uh, reduction and change over time, uh, the the improvement of uh, OPI index, uh, um, all sorts of tangible, I would say, formally known as tangible KPIs, so to say. But we also uh, have more, um, I would say, we also have an impact on employee retention, uh, also increasing skill sets uh, of employees, reducing training and onboarding time. Um, These are all benefits that we see. Um, Mostly when we speak to the, to uh, the, the ones using the solution, there's a great enthusiasm for working with the solution. They feel recognition of their expertise. They feel empowered to share their knowledge. They're proud of their work. This is literally what happens also at some of our other customers is, You've, you've always done your work the same way. You've never been able to get recognized for it. Now you, you swipe guide, you make this standard operating procedure, you see it's getting an impact, and then you see your, your procedure being shared and improved and, again, shared by other sites. Of course, that does something uh, with, with you as a, yeah, I would say as, a, as an employee. And I think that's where we get most of our joy
1: from. That's really cool. Empowering the folks that make beer, soda, you name it. No, this is this is this is excellent. And you have one more thing. It looks like you want to add there.
0: Well, I think it brings me back to. Uh, so, I'm a totally different person than the rest of my family. So, I I grew up in a, in a home of mechanical engineers, and so my brother, my dad, and the one one of the things I always remember is that my my brother would work in a, in a plant, and he goes like. Ah, here they come again. Someone went to a training, there's a new system, a new methodology um, that is that is pushed upon, I would say pushed on people. Whereas uh, when you start uh, unlocking what's within, I would say, you know, most workers, they have years uh, in, in expertise that have never been tapped into. And, and I would just love, and I, I see that shift happening in the market as well. There's much more recognition of the the expertise frontline workers have in the industry and the vital importance of their skill set um, than ever before. So I think that's a you know that that's a point that's very I, I would say dear to the heart of people at Swipe Guide.
1: Yeah, I uh, it, it it sounds like an incredible solution. It, I I like the way that you've empowered the people on the floor and they can see the work get pushed to other parts of the company as well. We're talking about global companies. I'd love to talk about your company a little bit as well, because Swipe Guide. if I understand this right, you're in Europe, but you're also growing in the U.S. right now. And I feel like when I talk to companies, they're either fully global or they're purely regional, right? You're in this interesting growth phase right now where you're kind of just starting to get into to your second market. So how, how do you lead teams in, in that phase of a company's growth, right? Yeah,
0: no, I mean, uh, correct. We are. Uh, we always say we're born global with customers like, yeah, as you mentioned, Heineken, but also PepsiCo and Coca-Cola. That's it's kind of you serve globally. Um, I, I'm proud to say that in the last years that we uh, serve more than 300 uh, sites from just uh, four people team in customer success from Amsterdam. That is, uh, yeah, that just to think of it. But how do you lead a distributed team? I think it comes really down to the our dna we were born global the headquarters is in is in amsterdam but we've always adopted the philosophy that we wanted to attract talent from where talent comes from and uh, whether you know if that talent or swipe align with our core values so we have a, a our founding team has a clear vision of where this um Companies should go. Also, a very strong vision on where this, um, yeah, the organizational structure and culture should go to. So, initially, we focused on building the organization out of Amsterdam and we relocated people. But over time, we said, the world is the world is distributed. We have a distributed customer base. That if they can work from anywhere, right? If they can work with distributed teams, this is an organization structure we should also support. Rolling it back. How do we? How do you lead a distributed team? Uh, first of all, I, I start with the concept of leading. That is, that is because at Guide we've adopted, uh, yeah, we build our company in a different way. So in our model, we leverage skills and expertise from anyone in the company to shape how we move forward. Uh, it's a, sort of a sociocratic principle. Every voice is heard and collectively, we decide how to move forward. And in building the organization, we saw that by, uh, by doing so and by having a very strong organizational uh, value set, we attracted people that are entrepreneurs on their own, so the the, the I would say the we have a, a team that is so driven to build out that that's I would say those hubs, the nodes, so to say, that it's not difficult to to lead a distributed team. Um, we've initially focused really on going to market here in Europe, uh, but then, as you rightfully said, the the situation in the in the United States. Uh, provide such an opportunity for us that we said, okay, we still have to focus on you know, our core market, but it's, it is important to also start capitalizing on the opportunities that are there. So we decided to also build a local team out of, uh, out of the U.S. And I can't say really local because then I'm talking about the United States in the terms of, uh, of Amsterdam. It's not comparing in no comparison at all. Sure, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so we, our, our entire organization is, is basically facilitated through uh, remote, a remote process uh, and distributed teams. Um, but that's also our organization model and the way we, I would say, distribute the, the leadership
1: I think another element of, of leading a team and, and one in the Netherlands in particular, it was kind of funny. The first time I, I had heard about you, I had the mm-hmm. hardest time finding you on LinkedIn because you had changed your name temporarily on LinkedIn to Peter. Um, and I, I have to ask you about this because it it, it's a theme that comes up on the show all the time. But why had you and a number of other individuals from the Netherlands changed your name to Peter that week. And then we'll go from there.
0: This is excellent Bartok in, uh, in the terms of uh, happy <laughs> hour. So it turns out uh, in research, there are more CEOs called Peter than there are actually female CEOs in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true for the entirety of Europe, uh, but there's profound research that uh, it's, it's not just a, uh, the Netherlands. So uh, there was a campaign that said, uh, for a week, let's change our names to Peter to raise awareness for inclusive leadership. And I think if you want to talk to me about uh, the, the name change, uh, it's, it's uh, quickly connected to female leadership. That's not what we or what I stand for. It's really about inclusive leadership. In my opinion, today's expectations of leadership is really a reflection of patriarchy. And I think that shouldn't distract us. Um, I think we have to model our own uh, way of leadership. And for us, it's swipe guide. That's really inclusive. It's it's really about distributing control, involving uh, everyone's voice. Um, and then if we look outward, uh, yeah, there's a there's also really. It, uh, not just from a humanitarian standpoint, uh, I'm a strong ambassador for inc- an, an inclusive way of building organization. It also uh, reduces groupthink. It builds better and more inclusive uh, technologies. I think a, a lot of what's wrong with technologies because they've been built with uh, yeah teams that are uh, that are. That are not diverse and they exclude a whole user group from their base. Um, so, for us at Swipe Guide, it, it's really important to make sure that uh, as we build a more diverse and inclusive team, we build a better product and we also deliver a better, I would say, impact and return, return for our investors, too.
1: We have manufacturing leaders across. The U.S., Europe, all around the world of all shapes and sizes that listen mm-hmm. to this show. I mean, is you know, you've mentioned some tangible things there. Do you have a, any advice for the folks that are allies out there or the people that are just trying to make manufacturing more inclusive in general, a, a call to action, if you will?
0: A call to action, uh, yes. I would say call out your own bias. Uh, even in our company, that's something we need to do uh, all the time. Cut out the noise, trust your gut, and address your bias, and then have meaningful conversations. Um, because everyone has bias. I have it too. I was born and raised in an environment that influences me, still subconsciously influences my decision making. And I think by addressing your own bias and having meaningful conversations with each other on that bias, you can find relationships to build upon um, and never stop learning in that sense and break the barrier. If you have a voice and if you have an audience, like you do, like I do, use your voice and your reach uh, to help raise that uh, bias. There's no real advice to say, hey, this is, a, this is a golden rule to drive diversity. I think it's a journey that everybody is on, on their own pace. But if you are in a position of, I would say, as I said, um, uh, that you have an audience and use that to drive the awareness.
1: Phil of mine from tackling unconscious bias to new tools for the manufacturing space for your story of starting Swipe Guide, you've brought a lot of great advice today. As we get to the end of our conversation, or I should say the end of our glasses of whiskey. um,
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) How many did we have, Chris?
1: (laughs) I don't know, we probably, got, we probably got to a couple in this conversation, right? Oof. I feel like we I feel like we had time for a refill, but it was a great bar discussion, but is there anything you wish I would have asked you before we say bottoms up for the day and finish our drinks?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I would have wished you asked was like, where do you go from here? Um, so, uh, because I think when when we originally started, as you said, uh, we started out in, in consumer user manuals, right? Um, and now we shifted and really doubling down on that manufacturing industry. Um, As I said, for us, we really wanna look for that untapped potential from people working at the front line. And for us, Um, the digitization and crowdsourcing knowledge uh, as we we do, that's not not the end, that's the beginning. We believe really that if you apply technology in the right way, you can connect people and the development of people through, not just through work instructions and SOPs, but also through learning, through their skills assessment. There's so many different ways you can uh, leverage that crowdsourcing. And that's really where we'd love to see the manufacturing industry go, because I think collectively, uh, that will have the biggest impact on how sustainable our industry is.
1: Well, given that SwipeGuide's journey is still continuing on and still evolving, where's the best spot to connect with you and SwipeGuide?
0: The best uh, connection would be LinkedIn. So just shoot me a message over LinkedIn. I won't be called Peter anytime soon. That'll take a while. <laughs> uh, but, and I invite you next time, uh, Chris. Uh, most of the mill people that supported this uh, went by the name of Petra for a week. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to SwipeGuide.com, uh, connect uh, on the contact button, and uh, we happily start the conversation with you.
1: And I will have links to all of those in the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And in the meantime, Villamine, thanks so much for jumping on today's show. Hey, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening and thank you to Villamine for jumping on today's show. I hope you enjoyed that Heineken example, and actually, if you want to see that in action, there's a link to a case study video featuring the work that Swipe Guy has done with Heineken's Lagunitas brand in Chicago, so make sure to go to the show notes page, you can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com 95, you can find that link there, as well as a link to the whiskey joint Indian Iver that we talked about at the beginning of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating over at Spotify. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Spotify. But of course, if you're a Spotify listener, you are probably already over there. Just hit that five-star button. We would love to keep rising in the rankings. And with that short outro this week, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.